Hello and welcome back to the No Limits Podcast with Rick. Hope you're having an awesome day so far and thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for all the feedback as always. Been getting some great responses from the No Limits Podcast with Coach Anthony and definitely we'll have more of them coming in future. And as always, any sessions with future podcasts, we're free to send them over. Always happy to take your suggestions on board and absolutely we'll keep these going. It's been an absolute pleasure and seen actually in the um, podcast analytics recently, over 2000 listens on this podcast. So thank you very much for tuning in. Definitely wasn't expecting that. I was expecting just a couple of listens each episode and more so, you know, just to maybe give this a go, say that I've been able to actually do the podcast instead of constantly writing down that I'm going to. And it's worked out really, really well. So I'm glad I'm providing value. I'm glad you're enjoying the rambles and hopefully provide some more value in today's topic. So in today's topic, I'm going to cover something that um, when I first started training was like a just common thing that everyone just knew. It's like, it's just what you did. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who created it. I feel like back in the day when I started training, when I was 15, how old would have I been? I don't know, 15, born in 1996, work that out. I was expelled from two schools and not good at maths. Um, the approach of a cheat meal was just all over. Everyone just did it and what I was going to before. I feel like Arnold, because I feel like everything Arnold did, we all just copied because we all thought if we do Arnold's workouts, we're going to look like Arnold. And if we do Arnold's diet, we're going to look like Arnold. And then you learn that genetics is a huge factor when it comes to bodybuilding. And um, no matter how much effort we put in, a lot of the times the individuals that are on that Olympia stage with bodybuilding, they're usually born to be there, but neither here nor there. Um, so in today's topic, I'm going to cover cheat meals. So cheat meals, cheat meals, cheat meals. A, um, Something that I don't get asked about too much anymore from clients, which I'm happy about because that was a question that used to grind my gears back in the day when I first started coaching. I remember I would often get asked, like a new client would come on board, let's say they've got a fat loss goal because more often than not, that's usually how things start out. And a common question I'll get like in the first week would be like, when's my cheat meal? And it used to always rock me because like you've just gone through this entire setup. You've reached out with your goals that you want to achieve. You've mentioned, you know, how um, you want to change your body composition, improve your confidence, improve your health, lose body fat. And one of the first questions you ask is when do you get a cheat meal? <laughs> and um, something that I consider and I've also seen it as a meme, and it's never, never something I've said to a client, but far out, it would sound like an absolute dick if I did. But if, um, let's say, for example, you're very overweight, no judgment, that's fine. Um, we all sometimes lose it, and um, like mentioned in past, I was 107 kilos at 17 years old, and I would have probably said this to myself if I was coaching myself. Um, your whole life has probably been a cheat meal up until this point, so you don't need a cheat meal. <laughs> now, yes, cheat meals sound fun and it's human nature to like novelty, especially if it revolves super tasty food. Like 100%, I love food. Like 
one of my biggest joys is my meals each day. Um, even if they're quite boring and weird combos, as you see uh, on my stories, if you follow me on Instagram, but food is enjoyable and food brings people together, especially something about going out for food, you know, looking at the menu. Like that's one of my exciting things over the weekends is, is that and having good conversations around good meal, discussing the meal. It's a good vibe. Um, so cheap meals, essentially, what are cheap meals? So cheap meals are essentially claimed to be a way to speed up your fat loss. So with the podcast, I'm predominantly going to talk about cheap meals in regards to like fat loss. So do cheap meals ramp up your metabolism like many of the claims were made back in the day? Fuck no, they don't. As much as it sounds like a good idea and it definitely justifies going out, getting a pizza and a tub of Huggen Dars, uh, ice cream, salted caramel, the goat, um, it just doesn't do that. Even the research that's been done on like multiple back-to-back refeed days really isn't that positive in regards to actually making any noticeable difference to our metabolic rate. So... Cheat meals, do they speed up your fat loss magically? No, they do not. Which was a lot of the claims back in the day as to why we should throw in a cheat meal. So cheat meal essentially would be like you'd go out and you would essentially just be a glorified binge. Back in the day, like what was my... like? So I was, as I spoke about in past, like I was the typical clean eater to the point that... I was so quote unquote clean with my foods that I wouldn't even eat my mum's cooking if she put salt on the food. And now, you know, if you follow me, I put salt in absolutely everything, including my coffee, which is a non-negotiable these days. Um, So I was under that psychology that, you know, everything needs to be super clean, which, you know, of course, more nutrient dense foods are typically those quote unquote clean foods. They usually, you know, help us feel a lot better. They don't mess with our digestion, blah, blah, blah. But there also is no reason to not have a little bit of tasty as fuck food throughout the week. If um, it helps keep you consistent. As we know, when we make things, uh, this process of progress, a lifestyle, it absolutely changes the game. Because what's the point in following an approach that you can't stick to long term? So this is why diets like the keto diet or the carnivore diet or I'm going to stop all sugar even though like basically every carbohydrate you consume gets digested and broken down as sugar um, don't last. And something that we always need to keep in mind is longevity. And with that, enjoyable foods sprinkled into your diet here and there, definitely a good idea. So... Cheat meals, essentially a tasty as fuck meal out that would apparently ramp up your metabolism. So I used to be a full-blown clean eater, wouldn't even add sauce to any of my meals. It was all, you know, chicken, broccoli. For some reason, broccoli is a magic veg in the bodybuilding world, which I don't get because it's definitely not. (laughs) Variety with fruit and veg is always better. Um, And then I would come to the weekend and I would do the complete opposite. And... I hate to think about it because back in the day, I actually did cheat days. It was like Sunday each week, I would just go on an absolute rampage. And I would eat all these foods that I 
avoided all the previous days and because I avoided them, I would want them even more, human nature, hey? And I would eat so much food and I would feel sick on the Sunday night, but cheat day, it's gonna help. And then I would go about my next week doing my starvation diet, restricting everything. And my fat loss progress was terrible. I really rarely saw dramatic changes in my fat loss. Um, it was very slow, if at all. And it was really just a way of feeling like I was doing the work during the week, having this relief, quote unquote, on the weekend, but just dragging out the fatigue of being in the dieted down state. And then eventually I was like, all right, I'll rein it in, I'll just do a cheat meal. But I'm sure you're probably related to this. Maybe there's been a day where you've maybe been super busy, maybe work, you got some crazy thing on at work and you just so happen to miss you know, two of your meals and you've been like six hours without a meal and then you go out, you eat and you're not satisfied and then you eat more and you're still not satisfied and you can easily throw down 3,000 to 5,000 calories, especially if you go things like, you know, combos of super high fat, super high carb foods, which typically are your quote unquote cheap foods like pizza, burgers and chips and things like that. And what I realized, unfortunately, after months and months, even not years, spinning my wheels with this was that the weekly calories count. And yes, the weekends do count. And when, when I finally realized this and stopped thinking that a cheat meal was going to speed up my fat loss, I actually sped up my fat loss, surprisingly enough. Um, and it was a lot more enjoyable because I didn't drag out the fatigue because the thing with cheat meals, they might provide some psychological relief, but physiologically, so your, your, your system, your body doesn't get that relief. So you're still dieted down. It's almost like if you're in medieval times, you're gone weeks without food and then out of nowhere you get a, a kill or whatever and you get some food. You gorge yourself. The next day, you're still starving. You're still back in that place. And the same thing with if we're in a fat loss phase and we think one meal is gonna just completely reverse all that, not the case. And then especially if it ends up resulting in you holding up maintenance calories across the week. So probably a good way to, to put it is like, let's say your maintenance calories are 2,500 calories and you're eating a 500 calorie deficit. So then you eat 2000 calories Monday to Saturday. And then on Sunday, you go out for a meal and you have a quote unquote cheat meal and you probably put down let's say 5,000 calories. So that's an additional 2,500 calories over your um, maintenance. So we look at it on that regard, that would put you at a 500 calorie deficit across the entire week over every single day. So you can see how, you know, especially with how inaccurate a quote unquote glorified binge or cheat meal will be, um, you could easily, you know, potentially shoot over into maintenance or even a surplus across the week. And another problem with cheat meals is the name. The name itself is a absolute setup 
to create a poor relationship with food because the name cheat associates guilt with it. It's like I'm cheating on my diet. So are you really going to feel good after eating a meal that's called a cheat meal? I don't think so. Um, so this is something that can really make things even more stressful because then you feel guilty after the meal and it makes your meals throughout the week less enjoyable because you've created an all or nothing mindset. And it's like, oh, and I've had this before. Like when I used to follow this approach in a fat loss phase, you get near the end of the meal and you'd get this like doom feeling of like, oh no, it's over. I'm going to have to go back to my boring plain diet for the rest of the week and it's just going to be dreadful and then you just anticipate that cheat meal and the funny thing is the more you repeat this sorry for burping um, the bigger and bigger the cheat meals get the more out of control they get and the more likely they are to slow your fat loss so then you can see how this can be an absolute recipe for disaster and just slowing the goal because if you're going after a goal of getting leaner makes sense that we would probably go all in on that get it done sooner rather than later of course using a smarter approach where you can still enjoy the diet and you're not being super restrictive to the point where you need to cheat on the diet without um, as much as i hate using that word it also gives this illusion of rewarding the work which actually takes away from the real reward of the work this is a conversation i was having with a client last night actually and um, we we're talking about how most of like our parents uh, generation when they would follow things like you know weight watchers and things like that or under their over their psychology would be like oh i've done my class today i deserve this cake or, and maybe you might do this still and be like, you know what, I earned this. I, you know, did a really hard gym session, so I'm, I'm going to order that pizza. Um, and this all or nothing in the sense of reward with something that takes away from the thing that you're doing, trying to achieve, doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, and it's something that's just going to prolong the process, as I keep saying, because essentially that's what it does so with the cheat meals there is no real fatigue relief either um, in regards to your, your body so you diet it down you're hungry you're fatigued one meal ain't gonna offset that at all and it really does result in more often than not increasing your hunger throughout the week so use this one meal to try like offset the hunger throughout the fat loss phase which in a podcast I've done recently, if you want to revert back to that one on my suggestions with managing hunger, covered it all there. So you consume this meal and it actually throws you off a lot because you spike this dopamine release so much because you like going all in, it's your celebratory meal. And then you have this like dopamine crash. And the thing with dopamine is it's the hormone of more. So as soon as you get something in that really dramatically spikes your dopamine your body's going to be driven to want more of that so then throughout the week it makes the diet even more difficult to adhere to when we know consistency is king that's the magic um, it's not sexy it's not some fancy protocol 
but it is what works. So something that I think really needs to be aired with caution when considering following a cheat meal approach is like what phase are you in? And also like what are the trade-offs you're willing to accept? Because it was common known back in the day where it was like you needed to do it once a week and it was always like typically a Sunday. It was like why? If you're feeling great, you're making great progress and there's like no events on, but you're like, all right, I've got to get this cheat meal in. Um, again, it's just going to prolong everything and just make the dieting phase a lot harder. But as always, I like to cover both the negatives and the potential positives because there's always going to be some potential positive to these things. So what I would say the potential benefits of a quote-unquote cheat meal would be in a fat loss phase is more so the psychological relief. And this is going to take a bit of self-awareness because some individuals are able to do this. They're able to go out, get a meal, have it untracked, and then it doesn't throw them off, and then they bounce back the next day. And they're good for a couple of weeks, if not like a month or two. But... If you're the individual that has this meal, you get super excited about it. You go overboard with the meal to the point where you can't move. And then all you can think about the next couple of days is when your next cheat meal is. It might be a good idea just to keep them out altogether. Because the thing is about our palate is we can train our palate, our taste to adapt to what we provide it so sometimes and this isn't something i always do but sometimes in a, a fat loss phase actually being a little bit more bland with my foods helps because then i don't have that dopamine spike and that drive for super super tasty foods this is the the thing that i notice a lot on instagram where people do like their full day of eating which i feel like nine times out of ten i hope hopefully you can agree with me here I feel like nine times out of ten these people don't actually eat these foods they just want to make it look sick for Instagram. So they just put together these super crazy combos of like super aesthetic, colorful, amazing looking meals that are like 45 ingredient recipe, protein pancakes, overnight wheat bix, whatever. And I look at them and all those meals look like meals that would just be super, super tasty to the point that it would be hard to stop. So sometimes, and I know it goes against the grain, but a little bit less satisfaction with your meals maybe sitting around like a, a six to eight out of ten tasty as fuck scale is probably a good idea in a fat loss phase and not consuming foods that are maybe like around that nine to ten that's something for me like um cereal like cocoa pops checks i'll talk about it all the time it's my favorite cereal but it's something that i definitely keep out in a fat loss phase because i just can't justify only having 100 grams. I want to have the whole box. So it's something that even in the gaining phase, it's something I rarely utilize, but um, definitely in a fat loss phase, not something I'd mess with. So that's something to keep in mind too. It not only prolongs the process of fat loss, most likely, it also makes the actual fat loss diet harder to adhere to. So it's kind of a lose-lose. I know, far out, I'm actually supposed to be talking about the positives. So yes, psychologically, if you're the individual that can do it, it might have some relief there. Also, it can potentially practice, you can practice the skill of eating mindfully and eating till you're satisfied, not completely stuffed. So it's a good way to relearn your hunger signaling. But 
in a fatless face, I know I'm talking about the positive, but I keep bringing it back to the negative. In a fatless face, your hunger signals are so fucked up and it's something that you know is programmed into us. As I've discussed in past, like our system hasn't really updated from medieval times where we were hunter-gatherers and we basically would just walk for days to try to find food. And the ghrelin, which is a hunger hormone that drives us to want to eat, would push us to search for food. When we're in a fat loss phase and we're losing body fat, the body ramps this up. So it would be a real mission to be able to eat till satisfied and not go overboard with a cheat meal when you're dieting. Um, but like mentioned, if you're someone that can, awesome. From what I've seen, it's very rare, um, but it could potentially benefit you in that regard. And maybe your progress has been absolutely flying, like you're way ahead of schedule and it just so happens that maybe it's your anniversary or a loved one's birthday, but sorry, I sound so pessimistic in this, but it's almost like there's always an event. So it's hard to, to, to do that because there's always going to be some event, whether it's your cousins, dogs, cats, cousin's birthday you can use any way to justify it and the dieting brain will find a way to justify these things but if you're way ahead of schedule it's something that you could potentially put into maybe slow down your rate of fat loss um, but what i would say if we were to go with a um, approach like this what would i recommend other than cheat meals um, i'll go to get into it near the end um, in regard to my personal approach that I'm literally going to be using tonight um, but in a fat loss phase what I think would be a much much better approach is actually a refeed so similar but different very different a cheat meal is like an untracked binge meal eating the tastiest possible thing you could possibly think of and going wild on it and then bouncing back the next day a refeed is a more calculated approach. It's an approach that is actually going to provide all the benefits that the proclaimed cheat meal does in a better way, not the best way. The best way is just to stop dieting, get into a maintenance phase or a surplus phase, but a much better way to go about things. So what is a refeed? A refeed, the way I work around it with clients, essentially is like if a client maybe has been dieting for a prolonged period of time, they've made like great progress, they're really tightening up their physique, they're really happy with the outcomes they're seeing, but they start to run into the diet-related fatigue outcomes that maybe, maybe negatively impact, one, their quality of life, two, their adherence to the diet, or three, their performance in the gym. So the quality of life thing might be that they're so stressed from the diet because the body does see it as a stressor that their fatigue is so high that they're just dragging their ass all day. They're struggling to get through work. They're using coffees all day long just to get through the day. Um, they're in this constant fight or flight state that their sleep is suffering and then because their sleep is suffering, their hunger is even more intense. And maybe they've got to the point where that they're really struggling to adhere to the calorie deficit. And the hunger is just so out of control, the fatigue so out of control that they're really struggling to see it through and it's causing them a lot of um, stress. Or 
they've dieted down to the point where their lifts are really starting to regress. So if we see like in one week, like a couple of lifts drop off, like that's okay. Like that'll happen. I think when you go into fat loss phase, it's good to not ex- not prepare for it in regards to like, ah, the couple of lifts have dropped off. That's all good. More like if it happens, just accepting like it's okay, but making sure you're giving your best effort regardless. I think a psychological mistake is going into a fat loss and just saying like, yeah, my lifts are going to stall out, but that's all good. I think regardless, you should still try to progress, but if it does so happen that your lifts drop off here and there, that's okay. Um, because basically lighter body weight, you're not going to have as much power and force output. Also, when you've got lower body fat percentage, you've got less lubrication around the joints. I mean, for example, who do you think is going to be stronger, a marathon runner or a powerlifter? Powerlifter's got a little bit more fluff and that does help with their strength and their leverages and their, their power. Um, but so if you're in a fallus phase and let's say two weeks in a row, the majority of your lifts have regressed where maybe you've kept the load the same, but like two or three reps have dropped off across all your lifts. And you're also noticing like your fatigue's really, really high, your sleep's shit, you're hungry 24 seven and not even getting a little bit of satisfaction from your meals. It might be a good idea to throw in a refeed. Um, so refeeds back in the day, when they first started came, come out, they were like really, really um, utilized by the evidence-based people where it was like a must-do. And like people like Lane Norton, which I highly encourage learning from, he's awesome. Um, he usually calls out a lot of fads too, so it's um, a little bit entertaining. And um, actually, my man Jackson Pios, who actually also lives in Bali, seen him at the gym quite a lot, he's an animal. He um, actually did a, a study on refeeds and he was like big on them. Like he would use them with all his clients from what he said um, in a podcast I listened to. And then after doing the, the study, he actually is a little bit less um, proactive with using them, if that's the right word. So what a refeed essentially is, is I would say what how I do it with clients is I'll usually set them up around their estimated maintenance calories like if you want to keep it real simple maybe just if you're in a deficit and you're at this point just bump it up say 500 calories for two to seven days um if you're just want a little bit of quick fatigue relief i would say two to three days would be a good approach you know most of the time we're going to be a little bit more relaxed on the weekend so i like to sort of tee them up on the weekend so that way it's almost like a win-win. You relax because it's the weekend. Also, you get the refeed. And when you are at maintenance or even a little tiny surplus, you're more likely to offset some of that fatigue, hunger signaling and stress. But it's best to do over multiple days rather than just a single day refeed. So I would predominantly do this via carbohydrates as well. Why do I do it mainly by carbohydrates? Carbohydrates are awesome. Anyone that says carbs are bad, uh, I would run away from very quickly because they don't know what they're talking about. Unless they're like some biohacker, um, even then, no, I was going to say like some biohacker because it always seems like the entrepreneurs, 
like whenever I read like a personal development book and they delve into the um, their way out of their wheelhouse and they give like nutritional or training advice, it always makes me want to vomit. Um, and nine times out of ten, they always talk about like um, low carbohydrate diets or keto diets for cognition. Like, yeah, I get it, but also not a good idea. Um, not going to help long term. Um, and really, if you're having protein sources and fats with your carbohydrates, you're not going to notice that like crashy feeling either. So um, anyway, predominantly carbohydrates because carbohydrates are the one like your body's primary fuel source for energy. So preferred energy source. And when you're noticing that fatigue dip, you want to replenish that. Um, also, a lot of the times the performance reductions in the gym are not only from your reduced energy availability, so essentially like your reduced calorie intake, which is energy, um, your muscle glycogen, which is store carbohydrates in the muscle, are depleted. So you know like maybe, let's say you have had a refeed and the next day you go into the gym and you're super pumped up, like you just, everything's all veiny and full and you feel awesome, like that is like how you should feel when you've got a full store of muscle glycogen, which one meal won't fill it up entirely. So this is again why multiple days is, is better. Um, and so you're gonna offset a lot of that fatigue, you're gonna help replenish your muscle glycogen to help with your training performance to ensure that you're not unnecessarily risking losing muscle and Carbohydrates are also muscle sparing, which basically means that when higher amounts of carbohydrates are present, you're less likely to experience muscle catabolism, so muscle breakdown. So the synergy of protein intake, which you should already be on top of with your fat loss phase especially, um, and then when you push up into a refeed for two to three or even a full week, predominantly do it via carbohydrates. Um, I also like to tee these up with a deload. Like if it's for a full week, I, I do this a lot of the times if a client doesn't have like a set date that they want to be ready by. Um, so we'll do a, a deload week and then a maintenance week. So it's a win-win. You wash off that fatigue from the training. You wash off the fatigue from the diet. And then usually by like Wednesday, I might get a, let's say we've started it on a Monday. I'll get a message from a client on Wednesday. Like I'm good to go. Like, can we just rip back into it? And they're like, no, 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 like, that's good. Like, enjoy that. Let it ride, let it simmer. Use that to your advantage. So when you do get into it, you're gonna hit it hard. So something that I, I like to consider is like when we put the brakes on, like put the brakes on hard. If I had the opportunity, like I would much prefer to do a seven day um, at maintenance, quote unquote, refeed over two to three, but understand sometimes individuals just wanna get in and get out. So that's absolutely fine, we'll go with two. So that is my preferred approach over quote unquote cheat meals if fat loss is the goal. So it's strategic and essentially I would recommend to clients to consume the same foods they're consuming, just higher amounts. So let's say clients eating you know, 300 grams of carbohydrates a, a day in their fat loss phase, and then we maybe bump them up by 400 calories, so carbohydrates, four calories per gram, so we bump up by 100 uh, grams of carbohydrates. I would usually suggest, hey, like, 
with this refeed, we want to focus more on carbohydrates. Let's just increase all your carbohydrates you're currently consuming. So extra rice, extra fruit, extra oats or rice flour, you know me, rice flour with everything. Um, pineapple with everything actually. But um, focusing more on that. So that way it's not a complete overhaul either. Because that's a, the, the challenge with cheat meals in a dieting phase. It's so different to the flow that you're in. And it's almost feeling like you, you zigzag and going in and out of goals where it can make it really challenging to tick off that most important box, which is a repetitive theme, but it's true consistency. Um, so what would be a place for cheat meals? Because it's like, Rick, all right, I get it. You know, you're talking about things being optimal, but man, like when am I supposed to enjoy life? When am I supposed to go out and enjoy these tasty foods? You want me to just never eat tasty foods ever again? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I would say is save these cheat meals, but what I actually like to call them is off-plan meals. When you're not focused on fat loss, reason being is you're gonna actually get much more of a benefit from them they're not going to prolong the process of dieting, which is not super fun. And if anything, it's going to help you achieve your goals even more, assuming that it's either a maintenance phase or a muscle building phase. So I like to call it an off-plan meal, more so because of the psychology of it. It's not called a cheat meal, which of course comes with some guilt in the name. Um, and I do encourage this a lot to clients and it's funny how, and this probably makes me sound like I'm plugging myself, but not really. It's um, like funny how like sometimes like educating a client and they get to the point where they're living the lifestyle that feels so good. They've gone through their fat loss phase. We haven't set up any off-plan meals. And then I set up their gaining phase uh, nutrition and then put an off-plan meal in there. And there's almost like this resistance to them. Like they don't want to take the off-plan meal, which... I get, but also then I always consider about relationship with food and it's a touchy subject because I understand like if a client doesn't really like the idea of going out for an off-plan meal, that's cool. I give them the option, but I do highly encourage them in a build phase because it allows you to go out, socialize, you know, be a normal human go on dates with your partner so it's something you can look forward to like I love this when I've got you know clients that are partners and they're in a, a relationship obviously if they're partners and they're both in a, a building phase because then they've both got the off-plan meal they've both got something to look forward to a bit of a date night set up and it is something that I try not to put too many rules around it because I want to, it to be a, f a free meal so but the rules without them being rules, more so just um, guidance with it. I like to say, and how I like to go about them as well, is basically eating until satisfied, not completely stuffed. So we don't want to eat to the point that we feel sick. So practicing the skill of tying into your hunger signals, getting a meal that you really want to eat. So not like shying away from something, like if you really want to eat it, eat it. But maybe opting for meals that are maybe in at least the top 10 quote-unquote healthier meals that align with your goals a little bit more and not like the bottom two um so i would say at least still making sure there's a protein source in there because you're going to get a big hit of calories if you're going out for 
a restaurant meal, regardless of if you're, um, you know, treating it like an off-plan meal or just a normal meal. Usually, the chef doesn't give a fuck about your um, your macros or your goals, so they're going to sneak in a few little things here and there. And um, it's actually interesting in um, where I'm at the moment in Bali. There's uh, a lot of like fitness cafes. And they've got their menus, and then if you scan the barcode, it'll show you the um, the calories that are in the meal. And I was just speaking to one of my neighbors here, and she just went and got like a, a Caesar salad. And she understands that, yes, Caesar salad is very calorie dense, but it's very interesting when you think about how many people would get that salad thinking, oh, it's a restaurant meal, I'm just getting a salad. You look at the calories on the menu, and it's about 1,200 calories. <laughs> So if you're a, f- a female and you're consuming, you know, 1800 calories a day, there goes 1200 calories of your nutrition with a salad. So like I mentioned, like restaurant meals are usually going to be more calorie dense either way, but there are ways you can definitely manage that if you're in a fallow phase and you want to account for it. Um, sorry, going on tangents as always, but that's okay. I'm sure you don't mind. Um, like if I do go out for meals out, because I still encourage going out for meals out if fat loss is the goal, just not going into it with the psychology of I'm just going to eat everything in sight. Um, some simple ways I like to go about things is really focusing on enjoying the company I'm with and thinking more about spending time with them rather than the meal itself. Keeping things super simple, so not ordering the 45 recipe shakshuka whatever meal that like a lot of things can sneak in so my go-to's would usually be like a steak and steamed veggies steak is essentially something that's so easy to plan for because it basically says the total grams on the menu so you can look ahead of time track the grams into your my fitness pal whatever you use to track steamed veggies so that way at least you know there's no oil no sauces and then just add in a bit of extra olive oil cooked to the meal or, you know, I like sushi, so I'd usually, as much as I love the, like the maki, you know, the gourmet rolls with the, you know, salmon and the avocado and the, the mayo and all that, if I'm in a fat loss phase, I'll go like the nigiri, which is literally just raw fish and rice. And I'll go like a leaner, lower fat uh, meat sauce, like a prawn or tuna, and not go the salmon, even though I personally like the salmon more. Um, so those are some ways that I would go about meals out. Keep it simple, focus on the protein source, don't get too crazy with the amounts of ingredients in the meal, and that makes it a lot easier to track. And then usually, it's super empowering to be able to tick both the box of socializing, going out, enjoying the company you're with, still being on track with your goals. It's very, very rewarding, and it's almost like a sign of self-love on all fronts and that's something i've actually been thinking a lot about at the moment is like how much discipline is actually a sign of self-love and the mindset of letting yourself off the hook all the time being coined as self-love which of course is a time for it but more often than not being disciplined is is probably the highest form of self-care we can um, show ourselves and delaying that gratification for the long run so when structuring out these off-plan meals, like mentioned, focus on eating so satisfied, focus more on the company you're with, you know, still pick a meal that somewhat aligns with your goals, but also super enjoyable. 
And for example, I've got my um, off-plan meal set up here. So one times a week, I'll go out for an off-plan meal and I account for it ahead of time. It's still untracked, so it's still like a psychological break. I don't have to look the menu up ahead of time and like plan it all into my targets where, okay, so I know you probably like numbers. So my current daily nutrition is 270 protein, 60 fats, 500 carbs, 3,620 calories. Then on my off-plan meal day, I consume 200 grams of protein, 20 grams of fat, 400 grams of carbs, and 2,580 calories. So it's around about, well, it is about 400, what's that? Not even, 1,100 calorie difference. And notice how low I've gone in the fats. Why is that? The reason I've gone so low in fats is because predominantly when you go out for a meal out, it's usually going to be a lot higher in fats. Not to say that there's anything wrong with fats or anything like that, but in a, a large, large surplus, fats are easier to store as body fat, hence the name, um, as protein and carbohydrates. So just as a way to potentially little one percenter um, reduce the amount of body fat that I may additionally gain from the off-plan meal, excepting there will be some, um, I keep my fat super low. So a practical way to go about this, I would say, is try not to pull too much protein off your normal daily intake. I would say anywhere from 40 to 80 grams off. Um, and then reduce, leave about a thousand calories and to keep it super simple and just remove the rest of that from predominantly fats. And then without getting it too low, I'd say probably don't get it lower than 30 grams of fats. Um, I know mine is 20, but entirely up to you you can go to 20 if you want if you want to do that it's not a super enjoyable day heading into that um and then that way you know you can go about your meal you can enjoy it you're not going into it with the psychology there's a cheap meal it's accounted for and it's in the right place it's not in a fat loss phase this is not something i do in a fat loss phase or recommend in a fat loss phase but something i do recommend in a build phase and I have noticed it actually improve my relationship with food, which cheap meals, it's funny how the wording can change things a lot. Cheap meals actually ruined my relationship with food a lot, um, where this offline meal approach, I was quite hesitant at the start. It was similar to what I was mentioning before about some of my clients with my coach when he first recommended them to me. I almost didn't want to take them. And I still had a little bit of that all or nothing mindset hanging around from past approaches with these sort of meals and it did take me some time to get used to there was a couple of times where i did go overboard with them and um, maybe went into it in the way that i would have back in the day and not felt too great the next day but as always we live and learn through these things and you know i always like to think about the analogy of who's going to be the better boxer the one that reads up about boxing all the time or the one that's in the ring taking the hits going into the fights He's going to develop a lot more because he's getting in the ring, he's doing the work and he's learning from experience, which is our best teacher. So I think if you're going to, you know, go the off-plan meal approach, definitely save it for when you're in a muscle building phase. If you want to do it in fat loss, absolutely fine. Like you're welcome to do what you want. Just keep in mind, this will probably slow down the process quite a lot. 
Um, but you know, if you're willing to accept that trade-off and it's not something you do every single week, of course, that's cool. I just want you to be aware of what potentially might be limiting your progress. And I don't want to just sit here and pretend that it's not going to slow you down, but I also don't want to scare you away from enjoying meals out. So there's always ways to account for these things, especially if you plan ahead and just keep it simple, focusing predominantly on protein and enjoying the meal out, enjoying the company you're with. So I appreciate you listening to today's podcast. As always, I went on heaps of tangents here, but hopefully there's been some good takeaways and um, hopefully, you know, if you're launching into a build phase, this is something that you might be worth trialing and it might provide a lot more clarity around managing these meals out and hopefully not feeling as stressed going into them. And if you're a fat loss phase and maybe you've been doing cheap meals and not achieving the progress you make, you, you would like, hopefully this is, um, helps provide some clarity there and maybe a good idea to save them for when you're in a build. So I appreciate you listening in. As always, if you've got any suggestions for future podcasts, please just let me know. I appreciate you tuning in today and I'll speak to you very soon. Thank you.